Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, guys. Hello. Welcome to the Pump Fake. Jared Bailey with you as always, however you are listening or watching, whether it is on YouTube. Apple, Spotify, Believe Podcast Network, wherever you get your podcasts or take in this show. I appreciate it. It's good to be with you. There's a lot to get to today. So we'll hop into it. Last night, we got our first look at the Pittsburgh Steelers in the post-Ben Roethlisberger era, which is... uh, this is something that Pittsburgh hasn't had to deal with in 18 years, which you look what happened last night. It didn't disappoint. Every one of these guys looked good. Mr. Trubisky started the, started the game, went four of seven, led a touchdown drive on his opening drive. And touchdown pass to Gunnar Olszewski, the signing from New England. Uh, first play from scrimmage for Pittsburgh was a nine-yard completion from Trubisky to George Pickens, and we'll get to George Pickens. Don't you worry. So Mitch Trubisky looked good, um, albeit you know this is the first preseason game. I was try not to lose our minds over that. Let's try to keep things in context. That's first preseason game. I guess a Seattle team that isn't good. So let's keep that in perspective for what it is. But Mitch looked good. And the offense looked more open. And he was able to do things that Ben couldn't, which was extend the play with his legs. He had a play that looked like it was for sure dead whenever Mitch got wrapped up by a defender coming off the right side. He escaped it, broke out. Uh, I think it was a nine-yard run. So he put those legs on full display, which is good to see. So Mitch Trubisky, and, you know, he came in. It was announced over the PA, all right, starting quarterback, Mitch Trubisky. Everybody gave him a nice response. A little bit of standing ovations spread out throughout the crowd. And then... Mason Rudolph came in. Guys, when I say it was unanimous, over 48,000 people just booing Mason Rudolph. And from what I can tell, he hasn't done anything wrong (laughs) besides live his dream (laughs) and be an NFL quarterback. And I felt bad for the guy. All you do is you, you know, you, you go in to a preseason game, by the way, and the team, the fans of the team that you play for and represent want nothing to do with you. And they're not shy about letting you know it. So I felt bad for Mason Rudolph. And then on the first play, he got strips act. And the booze came even harder. And then the very next play, he throws the throw of the weekend by any quarterback 
just a dime to George Pickens in the back of the end zone for a touchdown. And the crowd went badunkers, by the way, for, for George Pickens on that catch. So that was nice. A little bit of, all right, boo this, you SOBs. Watch this for Mason Rudolph. Um, he had a nice rest of the night. I think he went like 8 of 10 for a buck. Somewhere like a 102 or something. I'd have to go back and look at the stats. I don't have them in front of me. But he did well. Um, and then... And then... Guys, you would have thought that Jesus Christ himself stepped on the field in Acrisure when Kenny Pickett came out. Everybody and their mother was ready for Kenny Pickett. Standing ovation. It sounded like a playoff game. Standing ovations, multiple Kenny chants breaking out. Um, they go down the field. Steven Sims has a really nice run on the drive. Um, Kenny throws a touchdown turnover later on. Steelers get the ball back 12 seconds left. Kenny throws it to a, who did score that touchdown last night? It was one of the reserve receivers who, uh, broke a tackle and got into the end zone and Pittsburgh won. Kenny finished the night 13 of 15 for, I think 94 yards. So let's put everything into perspective on this quarterback battle for Pittsburgh. Number one, one preseason game doesn't automatically change everything. It doesn't. Not whatsoever. However, all three guys look good. The offense looked most in sync, the most fluid playing loose, looking like an NFL offense with Mitch Trubisky on the few drives that he had. It looked good. Mason Rudolph had the best throw of the night, and he played well. Offense didn't look as in sync with Mason, but he made some throws. He made the throw of the night. He played well. Kenny threw two touchdowns, uh, had the game-winning touchdown throw, only threw two incompletions. However, the offense was very dumbed down by that point. They didn't ask him to do a lot. There's a lot of swing passes, four-yard curls over the middle. Aside from, I think, two like intermediate passes, including the touchdown pass, that was like a 12 to 15-yard pass to the right sideline. Aside from that, he didn't do anything spectacular. And yeah, the stat sheet will make it look like he was you know, 13 to 15. Oh my goodness. 94 yards, guys. Like it's preseason. We know we're not going to see a lot of, you know, bombs away stuff. So just keep that in mind. So the overall truth for the Steelers quarterbacks right now, the offense looks best with Mitch Trubisky. Mason made the best throw of the night by any quarterback. The offense still looked good. It didn't look as good as it did with Mitch, but he made the throw of the night. And Kenny Pickett, you know, he got to throw two touchdowns. Didn't mess anything up. 
wasn't asked to do a lot. And look, I am rooting for Kenny Pickett. Like, I am a Steelers fan. Look, you see that behind me. But if you went to East Carolina, like, we would all be, everybody would be more realistic about the pick that it was, it was a reach. And that's great that he has a connection to the city of Pittsburgh. Connections to cities don't win you football games. And that's not me saying that Kenny Pickett won't work out. That's me saying I don't think he will. I think he's got a low ceiling. Maybe a decently high floor. But, but all that stuff coming into the draft saying that he's pro-ready. This is the guy that quarterback needy teams need to take. Just reiterate the fact that he spent half a decade in college and he was good for one of them. One preseason game isn't going to change anything. You know, we're still going to see what happens throughout the rest of the summer. The other two preseason games, they got Detroit on Thursday. Yes, all three guys did play well. In their own respects. The offense looked best under Mitch. Mason made some throws. Kenny got his moment in his first game as a Steeler, you know, throwing the game winning touchdown. I would still bet the house that it's going to be Mitch Trubisky week one. Other guys that shine though for Pittsburgh, Anthony McFarlane looks like he's taking hold of being the number two running back behind Najee Harris. Connor Hayward uh, had a nice catch early on in the game. Miles Jack made a few plays, which is nice to see. Henry Mondu as well. Akella Wellerspoon made a few really nice stops on screen passes. Uh, Trey Norwood made a few plays. So that's nice to see from a Steelers perspective. That you had guys that like Trey Norwood and James Pierre were playing in the third quarter, third and fourth quarter last night. They were starters last year, week one. So the Steelers are in a better spot in terms of roster construction than where they were last year. This it's gonna be an interesting team to watch, at the very least. And Steelers fans should be excited. Because whether whoever they roll out, and like I said, I would bet my life that it's gonna be Mitchell Trubisky. I think they're going to be fine. Now, George Pickens. <laughs> I do have to say, I do have to say this because he's kind of taken over the internet over the past 24 hours. George Pickens, man. Like we, we heard all the hype about how he looked in camp. It was as good as advertised. Catch in the back of the end zone was obviously fantastic. He had one on the side, the far sideline where he's like twisting and tap both feet in. He looked great. He looked as good as advertised. So that's great news for Steelers fans is that George Pickens looks like he's going to be the next in line for really good Steelers receivers. And that when you draft a guy in the, in the second round, that's what you want. And they're clearly building for the future with him. Uh, we didn't see Calvin Austin last night. He was hurt. Um, but George Pickens did look very good. Um, now, 
I do have to address 49ers fans because I owe you an apology. Um, my whole argument for the 49ers maybe not being as good as people expect, you know, everybody's saying they made it to the NFC Championship game last year, and now they're getting Trey Lance. How could you have them at only winning eight games? And my argument has been we don't know how good Trey Lance is going to be. Yeah, they've got, you know, really solid, really good talent around him. Elite talent on both sides of the ball, but it depends on Trey Lance. However, I have said the same thing in terms of roster construction about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Saying that, all right, you know what? Quarterback play can't be worse than what it was. It won't be much worse than what it was last year if it is worse. And again, Ben Roethlisberger wasn't god-awful, but he wasn't doing anything in terms of moving the ball down the field. He was 40-year-old Ben. It just wasn't It wasn't prime Ben Roethlisberger by any means. And that was, you know, the Steelers didn't have a dynamic offense because of that. I can't make that argument for Pittsburgh, but then make the contradictory argument about the 49ers. And that's kind of what I've been doing. And in this industry where you're held accountable for what you say, as you should be. I should be held accountable for the things I say and the opinions I put out. And you all do it. (laughs) Believe me, I know. I have a Twitter account and you guys blow it up whenever I'm wrong about something. But at the same time, I think we as media, writers, content, whatever the hell you want to call me, I think that it's important to be able to reevaluate your opinions, um, especially when new information is presented or, you know, when you're in the preseason and you see how guys look, you know, that can, can change your thoughts on things. What I saw from the 49ers against Green Bay, and again, I know it's preseason, but what I saw was a quarterback in Trey Lance who looks ready. Last year, you know, we didn't have a lot of a sample size of Trey Lance. And in the few starts that we saw, I mean, there was more struggles than than successes, I would say. You know, the best half of football that he had was in the second half against Houston. Arizona game wasn't great. The Seattle appearance wasn't great. And then he had, you know, the couple snaps against Detroit and Green Bay, respectively. But what I saw against Green Bay was a quarterback that had better pocket presence, a guy whose arm is as good as advertised. Oh, is he going to make mistakes? Yes. Every quarterback does. And is he green? Yeah. But my goodness gracious, what I saw from Trey Lance, I think it was the first drive of the game. Green Bay sent pressure. Lance took a three-step drop. Stepped up in the pocket, reevaluated, got reset, looked downfield to see if he had anything. He didn't, and then he took off. I think we would have seen Trey Lance more keen to just take off out of the pocket and just try to run for it rather than stepping up, reevaluating what's happening. Take that quick second to just see what's happening, see if anybody is available to get the ball to. And if not, 
get seven yards, move on to the next down. And again, that might be minuscule to many people, but that is big development for Trey Lance. And that's good. And then later on, just a perfect dime dropped to Danny Gray down the sideline against pressure. Um, not, I was skeptical of Trey Lance. And look, like I said, I still think it will take them a little bit, but they do have an easy first part of the schedule. But Trey Lance, he didn't look like a guy that was rattled by all this offseason noise. He didn't look like a guy that was panicked in the pocket. He looked ready. And I think he will be ready. And God knows 49ers fans are ready. And they should be, because what they got a glimpse of against Green Bay, that gives them a lot to be excited about. So consider this my sincere apology to 49ers fans. Um, you will see the end result of my apology in my final iteration of game-by-game -game predictions, which will come out the week of the NFL kicking off the regular season. Because um, I do have a little bit to reevaluate when it comes to San Francisco. Sometimes just seeing a guy play against a different team to see you know the progression that he's made and Trey Lance has made those progressions um and when you see guys like Ray Ray McLeod get in on the action Danny Gray an interior defensive line with guys like Drake Jackson making plays as well showing how deep they are on both sides of the ball yeah this is a team that's going to be fun to watch so I apologize 49ers fans it's going to be a fun season and Trey Lance is going to be fun to watch. And I'm excited to see it. All right. It's starting to become an, a thing on this show where like once a week I'll do a list. Because lists seem to get all the attention. And last week it seemed that a top 10 quarterbacks of, like, of all time list was getting kind of pushed around because... For some reason, everybody just enjoys crapping on Aaron Rodgers. I don't know why. Because I like Aaron Rodgers. I think Aaron Rodgers is great. So, I thought I'd revisit the list that I made last year, because it hasn't changed. This is still my opinion on the 10 greatest quarterbacks of all time. This is the part where I play music again and we talk. So here, actually, you know, let me bring it up first. You guys can get a good glimpse of it and then I'll defend myself and the list. And we'll get into it. So it comes up there. And then we'll discuss it. All right. Let's get into it. Number 10. <clears throat> Some might even say a little bit low. Number 10. <clears throat> Excuse me. For Brett Favre. Um, everybody says that they haven't seen anything like Patrick Mahomes. Go watch Brett Favre in 1996. 1997. Um, it's pretty close. 
He was doing things that were unforeseen at that time. And yes, he held the most interceptions of all time and whatnot. He also retired with the most touchdown passes of all time. Was a multiple-time MVP. One of the best quarterbacks of his generation. Leaves Green Bay. Goes to the Jets, plays well, and then gets hurt. And that season kind of falls apart. Then goes to Minnesota. <coughs> Leads them to the NFC Championship game. 33 touchdowns, 7 interceptions in that 2009 season for Brett Favre. Also, the Ironman streak, where he started like over 300 games in a row. Yeah, Brett Favre. Uh, some people have soured on him in his post-playing career. Then you know, that's fair. I'm not going to tell anybody how to feel. But one of the best quarterbacks of all time. No doubt. Drew Brees is number nine. And I know that he retired with just about every passing record in the book. However, though, let me say this. Not a... And I don't want this to sound like I'm crapping on Drew Brees because I have him in the top 10, but people will say that he deserves to be higher. Uh, I think that guys above him have better arm talent, were more important to their team's success. And Drew Brees had a lot of losing seasons. A lot of seven and nines while in New Orleans. A lot of eight and eights. Now again, it's a team game. I get it. But I think that does put Drew Brees down a little bit of a notch. But very accurate guy. Great leader. Put a city on his back. At a time when a city needed hope and lifting up. When he needed that too. After the Chargers gave up on him. And then together with Sean Payton for the next 15 years... They became one of the best quarterback, head coach duos in football. Won a Super Bowl together. Drew Brees is number nine. Number eight, Ben Roethlisberger. And this might be controversial to some people that I've got Ben number eight. But I do. There's so much to say about Ben and just his style of play and his prime. Being able to shake off 100 tacklers and turn a broken play into an unbelievable play. Top 10 in just about every major passing statistical category. Three Super Bowl appearances, two wins, two passing titles. I think that Ben, in a lot of ways, is one of a kind. Kind of ushered in this big fit. Like, I don't think... When you think of like Cam Newton, I think you think of guys like Ben who brought in like this big, just linebacker-like quarterback. And when he was on, when Ben was on, Ben was on. Only quarterback in NFL history with three games of 500 yards or more passing. Only quarterback in NFL history with consecutive games of six touchdown passes and no interceptions while doing it. Great, huge arm in his prime. One of the best quarterbacks of his generation. He will walk into Canton, Ohio. Ben Roethlisberger is number eight. Number seven, Johnny Unitas. The NFL and the game of football itself would not be where it's at without Johnny Unitas. Popularizing the two-minute drill in football. 
and making the 1950s and 60s his time. You know, without the 1958 NFL Championship game, the league isn't where it is today. And what he did with Raymond Barry and Amici, Johnny Unitas was the first. I don't know if there was guys like Otto Graham before him. When I think of the first great quarterback in what we would consider NFL history, Johnny Unitas is the one that comes to mind. Number six, John Elway. John Elway dragged three bad Broncos rosters to Super Bowls in the early part of his career in the 80s. And they lost all three. They didn't just lose them. They, they got demolished by the likes of you know, Joe Montana, the Niners, and Washington. I believe the Giants were the other team that beat them. But the fact that they even got there is a testament to how good John Elway was. And it's, don't look at the stats when, when we talk about John Elway either. This is a different time different era. Elway was as clutch as they come. Put a team on his back for the large for the large portion of his career. And then in the final two seasons, gets a godsend in Terrell Davis, a great offensive line, a defense that still featured Steve Atwater that could go. And a quarterback that was hungry to preserve his legacy with a championship. And he didn't just do it with a championship, he did it with two championships. Elway, I think, is one of the most underappreciated quarterbacks of all time. And the number six quarterback of all time in my book. All right, I just I just apologize to 49ers fans. It looks like I'm about to have to do it again. Joe Montana's number five. I get that Joe Montana was very clutch. Born on in Super Bowls. But that guy that I have in front of him, you know, Dan Marino. Joe Montana's 49ers beat Dan Marino in the Super Bowl. However, look at how much help Joe Montana had compared to, to other guys on this list. Now, I don't recall you know, Drew Brees having a lot of Hall of Fame defenders with him. Throughout the 2010s, Ben Roethlisberger had bad defenses. John Elway had god-awful rosters in the 1980s. Joe Montana was surrounded by Hall of Fame. He was a Hall of Fame head coach. I was about to say that Joe Montana wasn't great because he is. He's number five all time on my, on my list. But I think that that moves him down a little bit to me. Because it's a lot easier to succeed when you're surrounded by greatness. And he was. But nonetheless, Four Super Bowl titles. One of the most clutch quarterbacks of all time. One of the most cool under pressure quarterbacks of all time. Joe Montana is number five. Number four, Dan Marino. Yes, if given a blank slate, a blank team, saying who would you pick to play quarterback, I think a lot of people would say Dan Marino because he's a he had a cannon for an arm. He threw for 5,000 yards in 1984. That's like throwing for 7,000 yards today. It's unheard of. 5,000 yards, 48 touchdowns in 1984 with Mark Duper and Mark Clayton. 
and a defense that you probably couldn't name more than two people. You probably most people probably couldn't name one member of their defense of that year or of that era. Marino did it largely himself. Similar to John Elway, like Miami wasn't giving him much help. And the fact that the Dolphins made it as far as they did with Marino and getting to the Super Bowl is a testament to how good he was. Retired with the most passing touchdowns in history. Started with most passing records of all time. Underappreciated, and I get that that ring eluded him, but that does not take away from the talent that was Dan Marino. Peyton Manning is number three, the greatest regular season quarterback in NFL history, Peyton Manning. Absolutely out of this world. Now, he did have seasons where he turned the ball over too much. But he also had years where he threw for, you know, 5,500 yards, 55 touchdowns. Peyton was that guy. He was that dude. And look, he had some shortcomings in the postseason, especially early, early in his career. They got spanked 41-0 by the Jets. Multiple eliminations at the hands of the Patriots. And then they finally got over the hump, beat Chicago in Super Bowl 41, got back to another Super Bowl in Super Bowl 44. Got the Broncos to a Super Bowl later on and then was kind of carried to one in the final year of his career. But Peyton, you're, if you want to say that Peyton is the most talented or the just smartest, best regular season quarterback of all time, I'm not going to argue with that. Like I said, did have a, some shortcomings in the postseason throughout the first half of his career, but when he overcame those, it was undeniable that he was one of the best to ever do it. And I do have Aaron Rodgers number two, the most talented quarterback I've ever seen. And when you look at the fact that he just doesn't turn the ball over. He just doesn't. Most of the receptions he's thrown for in a season, I believe is 11 as a starter. He just puts up years where it's, okay, 45 touchdowns, six interceptions, 39 touchdowns, four interceptions. He is fantastic. Not just of protecting the ball, but fitting the ball into the narrowest of windows that nobody else can. Say what you want about the lack of playoff success. The last year, if they make a field goal and a, and a punt isn't blocked, they're in the NFC Championship game, potentially the Super Bowl. If the defense doesn't give up 40 points against Atlanta in the Super Bowl, if the defense doesn't blow a lead against Seattle, they're in the Super Bowl. A lot of this blame is put on Aaron Rodgers that isn't warranted. Second greatest quarterback of all time in my eyes. The most talented quarterback of all time in my eyes. And Tom Brady, yeah. I mean, it wasn't really much of a question that Tom Brady was going to be there. He's got a million rings, holds every record that's ever been invented. So I don't need to defend that one much. But he's still going. Still playing at the top of his at the top of his game. Just led the NFL in touchdown passes at age 44. My God, dude's insane. There's no doubt about that. And we'll see if he can get one more before riding off into the sunset. And then thinking that this will finally be his final season in the NFL. So we'll see if he can complete that and ride off into the sunset as a Super Bowl champion. So that's my list of the best quarterbacks 
of all time. Oh, it's an exciting time. Let me turn off this music. It's an exciting time. Wrapping up week one of the preseason, getting closer and closer to the regular season kicking off. It's a good time. Good time to be a fan. Good time to be doing this. The most exciting time of the year is just where it keeps getting closer and closer and closer. And then before we know it, we're all going to be sitting on our couches or in stadiums week one. Enjoying the greatest sport on the face of this planet. That's going to be a good time. And I appreciate everybody for tuning into this show and making it part of their time. It does mean a lot to me. Um, All my written stuff. Sports Illustrated, 33rd team. USA Today, you know where to find it. Follow me on Twitter at NFL, where I tweet all that stuff out. Appreciate you tuning in as always. Oh, be sure to check out the latest episode of No Notes with Tom Hannafin, Impact Play-by-Play, Patriot Podcast. It was a lot of fun. We talked about emo music, uh, Penn State football, a lot of other stuff in between. Go listen to that as well. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Pump Fake Believe Podcast Network. I'm Jared Bailey, and I will see you guys soon. Football season is getting closer and closer. We're almost there, and I'm excited to be able to spend it with all of you. Take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.